Welcome to the Faithful and True Podcast. Today as our special guest, we have Elizabeth Hardesty from the Faithful and True team, and of course our host, Dr. Greg Miller. Greg, how are you today? I'm doing great. Elizabeth has come to us today as we are having our series on questions, and Elizabeth said that she's been confronted frequently uh, with a question recently that's based around what role does curiosity play in recovery? Mm-hmm. Uh, and as we've talked, um, I love curiosity. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so glad that this was a question that um, you brought. It was something I assume that you hear from your clients, but also something that's a part of your own journey and story. Mm-hmm. And it's something I end up, I just end up saying it a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I was paying attention, I think, to why am I using this word curious so often? I was curious about why I was using curious so much. I, I think, think that is great. I think it comes up often in terms of just, um, and we're going to talk through a little bit of how curiosity comes up in recovery when it when it comes to being curious about ourselves, being curious about others, and, and how that can really benefit us through this journey. Absolutely. And what's true is the absence of curiosity is oppositional to recovery, that if I am comfortable with the status quo, if I'm not questioning, if I'm not asking you know, what else might be possible, that I am going to get stuck in what is comfortable and familiar. And I do think we were joking earlier about the idea of curiosity killed the cat. Um, curiosity needs a new PR firm. You know, um, They need a new marketing firm because instead of it being this destructive thing that leads to you know, our death, I think curiosity, when stewarded well, actually leads to life. Mm. And so understanding what curiosity is, um, where it comes from, how we steward it, what to be curious about. And one of the things that I say to the men, I I repeat this often, is be a detective to your own life. Mm. And at the heart of that is be curious. You know, be curious as to why you got here. Because when men show up at Faithful and True, they've come with certain preconceived notions that they've been operating. And a lot of those are about shame well, this is just who I am, or I'm disgusting, or there's something wrong with me. That explains this behavior. And we really want to invite them in to, instead of just assuming this is who they are, let's ask the question, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. And that question can lead us to some great self-discovery. Right. There's just there's just an openness, right? Versus feeling like that that's the truth. Mm-hmm. The, this is who I am. There's no changing it. There's just, there's an openness. Right. Uh, you use the word detective. I remember often in group with Debbie, she would often use the words of being a gentle observer. Mm-hmm. You know, can you be a gentle observer of yourself? Be a gentle observer of your feelings. And, and same type of thing. It's really just creating space to be curious about what, what's going on. Right. Well, and for many of us, um, we have ab- for some people, let's say that. For some people, they have separated curiosity from faith, and yet I actually think that curiosity is foundational to faith. That um, it is our curiosity that allows us to pursue that which we don't understand, that which is beyond us. And I think the, the curious soul is the soul that is able to fully discover the reality of who God is. Um, if I'm not curious about God, if I'm not curious about my faith, then many times we can live these very small lives. And what ends up happening is God becomes very small. Um, I grew up in a church where sometimes questions and curiosity was seen as oppositional to faith. And we were just supposed to accept it, or this is just the way that it is. And um, I love this idea of using and stewarding curiosity to move beyond that which we understand, that which we can see, um, that which is reasonable to see what God is doing and where God is, 
And so if we can be curious about God, then a part of that is to be curious about ourselves. Mm. Yeah, as you're talking, Greg, I was thinking about the different um, maybe relationships that be, can, can be positively impacted mm. by curiosity. And I think faith is a big one. Your relationship with God, like how, how you really can develop this, this deep um, relationship with God when you embrace it with curiosity. Mm-hmm. I think the true can be um, the same can be true f- with others. That if we really are seeing others and and viewing others with curiosity versus judgment, you know, versus just kind of creating a picture of them in our head and that's it. We're not we're not open to t- to changing it. I think that if we're if we're curious, it can really bring us into deeper relationship with others. And I think the same is true about ourselves. It right. can really take us away from a place of judging and shaming ourselves if we're curious. Well, and part of it is acknowledging that curiosity doesn't always lead to answers. That sometimes we can be curious about something. There is a mystery. You know, um, one of the the pieces that I think can be missing from our faith is embracing the mystery of God. There's so much about who God is that is beyond us. I mean, if we could fully understand God, then we have become God. And so we have to acknowledge that our curiosity can just lead us deeper into the mystery of God. But the beauty of it is we're not just left in the mystery. We have the opportunity to move towards faith. That which we don't understand, that which we don't see, what we do is we allow ourselves to move towards God in those stances of faith. So just because I'm curious doesn't mean I'm going to get an answer but it allows me to engage the journey. Mm -hmm. Um, I just am sitting here realizing that so much of the organization of the men's workshop is around questions. And we start each morning with a question, you know, um, do you want to get well? What are you thirsty for? What are you willing to die for? What in you needs to die? Mm -hmm. And each of those questions, each day we start with an invitation of curiosity. Um, On the Thursday of the workshop, we really explore how did I get here? assuming that this isn't where any of us want to be, so let's understand how I got here. And then on the final day, we explore the question of why did I do it? Why do I keep going back to it? And so allowing ourselves to engage curiosity and questions really does move us forward in becoming the people that God created mm-hmm. us to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you said, I think that is... a. This, this journey of curiosity, whether it's about our faith, whether it's about ourselves or about others, I think we never fully get there, mm-hmm. right? I think but just continuing to embrace the curiosity of who who did God make me to be? Who, who am I? Who, who are you? Right. You know, just not thinking we have someone all figured out or ourselves all figured out or God all figured out. Right. And knowing in the uncertainty, that is where we can experience peace. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the mistakes I think that we can make is believing that certainty is what brings us peace. Certainty doesn't bring us peace. What brings us peace is the presence of God in the uncertainty. And if I have certainty, then I don't need God. Mm -hmm. But if I have questions and mystery, that's the place where I can need God Mm -hmm. because God can meet me there. So um, as you work with women, as you're on your own journey, what are some of the areas of curiosity that you have? Yeah, I think we'll start just maybe focusing on um, individually, like what can curiosity look like with yourself Mm -hmm. is something that comes up often with the women that I work with. And I think there can be different layers to this. I know one that comes up often is just becoming curious with our feelings. Um, to not to not shame ourselves for the feelings that we're having, to not judge the feelings, but just to have this curiosity of letting them be, letting your feelings be what they are, 
and almost just becoming somewhat detached from it, just being able to see it of what, 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 is, what is that feeling? Mm-hmm. What is this trying to tell me? Right. But being gentle to ourselves in that. Well, and even what I hear for you is there are two different questions. The first one is, what am I feeling? You know, for many of us, unless it's one or two that we're really comfortable or familiar with, um, we don't even know what we're feeling. So the first level of curiosity is when we find some sort of emotional response, we allow ourselves to be curious about what the feeling may be. And then the other thing, I love that, that question of, and what is it trying to tell me about me? Mm-hmm. You know, this feeling is revealing something. It may be revealing something about my circumstances, my perceptions, um, an old experience, but it's telling me something about me that if I become curious about, I can explore and I'm going to grow in my self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And we just did a podcast on things that are necessary for recovery, and part of that was self-awareness. So curiosity allows me to grow in my self-awareness. What, what am I feeling and what is this emotion trying to right. tell me about me? I know that you just recorded a podcast too with uh, Russ and Susie around triggers. And I think, is that right, triggers? Mm -hmm, Um, I think that triggers, too, is is the same type of thing, to just really, instead of trying to run away from triggers and and try to avoid them, which I understand, I think I tried to do at first. If I just, I want to avoid triggers, I don't want them. I remember Debbie called triggers anointings, and I thought she was crazy. Um, but I think, but I but those I, I, triggers I, have a good marketing. Yes, firm. I yeah. tell you. Um, but I can really understand now, like to, to be able to see the what you know. If we can embrace trigger with curiosity, mm-hmm. um, what what is this trigger about? I think we can learn a lot about ourselves. Uh, we say at the women's workshop that triggers triggers really tell us more about ourselves than they do about the other person mm-hmm. about who you were triggered by and they really point to i think triggers often point to areas that were still chained up right. locked up you know things that we're still believing kind of those core beliefs you talked about earlier and the counseling center that i was a part of for years early in my recovery one of the principles that they really emphasized was that when i am triggered it is my tendency to focus like you said focus on the other person or focus on the thing that triggered me But really, if I do perceive it as a gift or an anointing, and I use it to say, okay, what's going on with me that I'm having this response? And one of the things that is helpful is for me to remind myself, other people could be having this very same experience and would have a very different reaction. So instead of believing, oh, well, this is just a universal reaction to this experience, everybody would react this way. It was helpful for me to go, no, no, this is uniquely me. There may be some similarities in how I respond and somebody else responds, but the, the specifics or the, the uniqueness of my reaction is about me. So what is it that I can learn about myself by exploring that trigger? Mm-hmm. Good. Um, another piece that I think often is the, the just uh, what we can call the automatic negative thoughts, the tape that plays in our head, mm-hmm. I think is another area that I just often encourage women to, um, and men, just to, to slow down and become curious with um, maybe inter- interrogating those mm-hmm. thoughts a little bit, right? Becoming right. curious about them, not just believing them as truth. Like we just have these tapes that play that feel so true because they're historical, but just beginning to ask ourselves, is that, is that true? Right. Is there, is there evidence to back that up with that thing that's going through your head right now? And, and just really being able to sit with it for a while and, and oftentimes rewrite it. Right. You know, I, I tell the story that um, when my life exploded, um, the people at the church, many of them were asking the question, why didn't you tell anybody 
what was going on, because I didn't. I, I was very secretive. I was very deceptive. I didn't tell anybody what was going on. And when people first asked that question, why didn't you tell anybody what was going on? I thought, well, that is the stupidest question. Why would I tell anybody what was going on? And then eventually I began to realize, you know, that's not too bad of a question. And then eventually I got to the place to go, that is a brilliant question, because actually telling people was an option and I did not choose it. And so then it was at that point I got curious about why didn't I tell anybody what was going on? Mm -hmm. And it was from that simple question I was able to identify um, three significant core beliefs that was that were really driving my secrecy and, and my fears and those types of things. And so again, it, just uh, the reality that my, my ex self-exploration started with questions that other people were asking. And so when people are asking you questions, instead of being offended by it or, or just dismissing it, if you hear the question enough to go, okay, is there something in that question that I can explore that by being curious, I may actually get some better understanding of who I am and how I operate. Right, right. That makes me think of Debbie Laser, our director and co-founder, um, her blogs that you can find under resources on her website are called Threads of Curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I've always loved that title mm -hmm. for her blogs mm -hmm. because it just opens up so many different subjects mm -hmm. for her to talk about. Mm -hmm. And the way that you just described that now, Greg, it's like the layers, the threads, yes. um, you know, that make up, you know, that point of curiosity. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's very strong. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think, you know, you talked about these automatic things. Mm -hmm. And that's the nature of core beliefs, that they are operating um, in an unconscious way. They, they are truly an operating system that we just take for granted. And so it does take intentionality to begin to dismantle that. And the beginning place is to identify it. And so it's just that gentle observer, what causes me to respond the way yeah. that I do? Um, in my first counseling class, you know, one of the things the professor said is to the best of your ability, ability avoid the why question. Mm -hmm. Because why seems to be more of um, an inquisition or an interrogation um, and um, many times it can assume that there's an agenda, but to be even to say, what causes me to do that? And mm -hmm. um, that can be a, a, a great approach mm -hmm. to exploring your own motivations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A phrase we often use around here, too, is, you know, um, not to should, should on ourselves. Where, mm -hmm. You know, we can so often just go, I should, I should, I should be feeling this way, or I should that instead. But if we can just embrace that, too, with curiosity of, um, letting our feelings be what they are and be, mm -hmm. be curious about them, be a gentle observer of them versus kind of putting them in this box of the way that it needs to go or the way that we should be feeling mm -hmm. and trying to change something. Right. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned the word interrogation. Um, uh, one of the principles that Mark always taught when it came to fantasies was to interrogate your fantasy to see what the fantasy is telling you about you and your needs. And so there are times where a series of questions can be incredibly helpful as we want a greater understanding of what's going on. Yeah. I think the other layer we can maybe talk about a little bit here is curiosity when it comes to others. Mm -hmm. So others that we're in relationship with. I think this... Okay, so let's distinguish sure, sure. between suspicion and curiosity. <laughs> because there are times when, without realizing it, I'm actually imposing an agenda on it where my questions do come out is more of this interrogation because behind it is suspicion. And suspicion is different than curiosity. Yeah. 
curiosity in its best form is more um, neutral. It's not judgmental. It's not um, critical. Um, and so that's what we're really wanting to go. Uh, you know, a lot of times um, we hear from either spouse, husbands or wives, that it felt like they were in the Inquisition because there were this, these series of questions. Um, that has a very different energy when it's a kind of more of an inquisition than it is a genuine curiosity where it is open-ended questions, where there is just a desire to know, not a desire to judge. Right. This really is, I think, coming from a place that, that feels safe. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can sense it, you can feel it, that the intent of the other person's heart is to, to know, to try to understand. To, mm-hmm. There's like a leaning in, um, an openness versus when you can kind of sense that there is that suspiciousness or that interrogation mm-hmm. behind it. It's not, it's not going to have that same sense of safety. Right. This really should lead the other person to feel that they can and desire to open up. Right. Well, and again, in order to be vulnerable, I have to have a certain level of safety. So kind of the process is I perceive myself as safe, I'm willing to be vulnerable, and it's in that place of vulnerability that I'm known and in my being known, then I can be transformed. Mm-hmm. But it does start with that sense of safety. And when we are generated by fear in our questions, um, when we're generated by suspicion in our questions, that's going to come a lot. That's going to come across, and it's not going to create the safety that really allows there to be exploration. Right. This morning in group, uh, we were talking about you know when we are perceiving that our our, our husband or someone else we're in a relationship with is having some type of emotion, let's just say anger, um, it can be easy to be in a place as the wife to say, why, why are you angry? Mm-hmm. Why, why are you angry? And, I, and we just we talked this morning about what would it look like to really come from a place um, alongside of our husband versus kind of at mm-hmm. our husband to come alongside of our husband, whoever it is that we're in a relationship with, and, and ask some more of those open-ended questions. Right. You know, what, what, what is, what's going on? Can I check something out with you? Right. What is that about? Well, and kind of the energy of those questions can be, what right do you have to be angry? Mm-hmm. And that can also come from the husband's perspective. This isn't just an issue that wives can deal mm-hmm. with, but there can be this part of us, and it's back to that word should, it's you shouldn't be feeling this. You know, so if I start my question with this belief that already what you're feeling is not legitimate or valid, that's going to come across and that's not going to be the curiosity that invites a conversation or dialogue. And maybe that's another attribute of curiosity. It is invitational, that I'm inviting information, I'm inviting perspective, I'm inviting understanding through the questions that I'm asking. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a preconceived agenda and I... I'm not asking a question that I already have the answer to. That's not curiosity. Or need an answer to be a certain way. Right, exactly. Right? Letting, pe- letting the other be where they are too and mm-hmm. really coming from a place of I want to know. I want to understand. Uh, one thing we use with our kids sometimes is, you know, seek first to understand before you are understood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like really try to be curious and understand where are they coming from. And I think what's true also, Randy and Greg, is that uh, curiosity can really, it, it's kind of the breeding ground of, of empathy mm-hmm. to really be able to understand and put yourself in someone else's shoes. Like what, what, what what's that about? What's going on for them? Mm-hmm. Not to fix it. Not to solve it for them, but really just to understand. Right. And what? that really comes into play with your kids. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, when you have kids that 
or in the age group that you have yours, uh, where they're entering, you know, those teen years that are that are so challenging as it is, and just being able to reach out to them, mm -hmm. trying to grasp their viewpoint mm -hmm. and, and understand, to, yeah, to yeah. understand how they're looking at that. Yes. Well, part part of childhood is curiosity. You know, all mm -hmm. of the questions that you get and. Many times in our frustration and our irritation and our exhaustion as parents, we try to shut down the questions because that's the easiest you know, way to go. But if we have patience and capacity to continue to engage the, the questions and give space for that. You know, I often say if you show kids bugs, they become curious about bugs. If you show kids the stars, they become curious about astronomy. And so I think many times our best nature is seen in our children. And so to know that curiosity actually is a part of who God created us to be. And when we forget that, we need to go hang out with young kids mm -hmm. because they remind us that curiosity is a part of their nature and they have to be taught not to be curious. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's a part of our nature. Mm -hmm. I think in some ways for many of us to to reclaim exactly to reclaim mm -hmm. that sense of wonder, that sense of curiosity mm -hmm. about ourselves, about others, about God, whatever it may be, right? Where we right. just have that openness. And kids do ask a lot of why questions. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do. Oh, why? <laughs> um, what else might we be curious about? Mm. Um, I think you know beyond that, there's so many layers to this. I think just. Really becoming, I, I know one thing that Chris uses often uh, with the men he works with too is just be, and you said this earlier, of just becoming a student, becoming a student of others, becoming a student of yourselves, like just really being able to um, have that wonder. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's just, um, just a really foundational piece to this. Well, and that idea of being a student, so part of that would be be curious about recovery. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there is information, there are resources, there are um, ways that you can explore this. And so um, instead of just making some simplistic assumptions about addiction and recovery, allow yourself to be curious. You know, one of the things that we know that helps couples navigate those early days is when a wife is able to get some information about um, addiction. And so having a different frame of reference that allows me to see my husband's action through something other than just being amoral or mean or thoughtless, you know, to actually have it through an idea of, oh, okay, what if this is an addiction? What might that mean? What, what are the attributes of an addiction? It then gives me a new lens or frame of reference to see my spouse. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with husbands. We want them to be curious about addiction because I can't change something that I don't understand. Mm -hmm. So we want them to, to be curious about those things. Yeah, um, That's really good. And I, th I think just a couple more thoughts when it comes to this. I think there's a difference um, when we're embracing um, the other, you know, in relationship through this lens of curiosity. They're, they're really tends to be a shift in terms of being engaged versus being present. Mm -hmm. um, that you can be there, you know, you can you can be there having a conversation and yet I, I am guilty of this at times where I'm thinking about like what what am I what am I gonna say in response? You know, mm -hmm. what what's my answer going to be? And I'm not I'm not really listening. When someone new tells me their name, for example, and I'm already thinking about what am I gonna ask them next and I'm not I'm not engaged. Right. I'm not curious. I'm not leaning in to what is it they're really trying to say. Mm -hmm. So I think just even thinking about that uh, engagement, right. how am I engaging with this person? Well, and okay, so there's a distinction between being curious and being invasive. 
you know, um, there are those that um, become curious about something and it actually transitions from curiosity into some sort of sense of obsession or invasion. That's really not what we're talking about yeah. here. Yeah. Um, I, one of my verbs that I love is pondering. Um, I love to ponder. It just creates a sense of safety and space to allow yourself to think and reflect. And so what we're, what we're not inviting people to, if you're curious about something, to become intrusive, to become a stalker. That's, that's not what we're talking about. And <laughs> um, what we're talking good, about... Good clarification. Yeah, what we're talking about is, as you were saying, engaging people from this place of, I do want to know more about you. I am curious about your story and your history. And I'm going to create space for you to step into it. Um, I'm not going to force my way into your life. Right. I'm going to create a space that is invitational so that you can step into it when you're ready. Right. And the, and the safety of it. I'm, I'm going to give you space, whether that's physical space, emotional space, to, to, for you to choose if you want to answer the um, curious question that I asked you. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, it's not an interrogation of coming after them. Even if you're asking open-ended questions, this is not about just firing them off, mm-hmm. right? It's it's really just giving the other person space where they do feel that sense of knowing this right. person really cares. And you know what's interesting, especially for people who are not familiar with the process of therapy, who step into it for the first time, all those questions may actually seem invasive. And to understand that there is a curiosity, it's in some ways the therapist is modeling what it means to be curious about your own story. And, you know, I've, I've had many men say to me, wow, you ask a lot of questions. And I do ask a lot of questions, so they're not wrong. Um, and so it, it's, it's not out of some sort of voyeuristic need to see their life. It really is this curiosity of, well, let's understand what's going on. You know, a, a good mechanic is one that's curious about what's not working and what needs to be fixed and is willing to take things apart, take the engine apart to figure things out. Um, and in some ways, we're wanting to deconstruct some things that have been in place so that we can have a better understanding of what is going on. Yes, good. That's a lot to ponder. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you, Greg. Thank you, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Faithful and True podcast. We hope that you as our loyal listeners and viewers uh, have benefited from today's podcast. Uh, If you are a man out there that has identified the fact that you are struggling with pornography or other sexual behaviors, uh, we invite you to visit our website, faithfulandtrue.com. Click on the workshops and look at the information. Watch the video that's available uh, regarding the Men's Journey Workshop. We also host the Women's Journey Workshop three times a year and the Couples Workshop. Great information is there to be found, uh, along with uh, all of these podcasts like you're viewing today. So until we join you again next week, we thank you for joining us today. And we hope that this coming week will be a week for you that's filled with many blessings and with great vision. 